Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And today, like every time we have a guest on the show, we've got someone who has done a lot of cool things in their career as an entrepreneur. And Steve Gingrich has an eclectic career as an entrepreneur. He is a principal with the Power Shift Group, but I have known Steve for close to 20 years, and he has had a lot of different roles, both as an owner of a business, he's worked for companies, uh, he's worked with nonprofits. Steve is done a lot of things. He's kind of an entrepreneurial renaissance man. So we're going to have a nice chat today. Steve, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much, Tom. It's, uh, it's terrific to be on the program. A real honor. So looking forward to visiting. So Steve, you've had, as I said in the introductions, kind of an eclectic background. Why don't you give us a little bit about your journey and what you do these days? You bet. Terrific. I, you know, I uh, my journey started off uh, 30 years ago with just a fascination for what information technology could do to help people in their lives. And it led me to first working in some very large management consulting firms, but pretty quickly uh, sowing an interest that I had in just new technology creation in software and hardware and services. And I got involved in my first startup experience in Houston, Texas. Uh, That first company failed and uh, I went back to uh, big corporate work for a brief period of time, but nonetheless, even with the failure under my belt, I had the entrepreneur bug in my blood, and I uh, went to a second venture, and that venture succeeded, you know, frankly, wildly beyond my dreams. It's what brought me to Austin, where I live now. That company was called BSG Corporation, or Business Systems Group. Which is actually where I first met you when you were with BSG. And guest number one from the original episode I did of this podcast back in September, October, uh, Brian Minnell introduced us when he was with BSG. Absolutely. Yeah, Brian's a tremendous friend and, and frankly, just you mentioned Renaissance Man, just got probably one of the best track records of success in in ventures that have scaled up over the years. So that's uh, that's terrific. Yeah, Brian and I first met at that company. It's funny. There are companies that you see, Tom, and I know you this. You know this too, uh, in Austin and elsewhere that spawn kind of a, their own culture and series of other great ventures. And BSG was one of those. So well, and it launched. Launched me in my career, and here I am today. And I, Brian and I actually grew up together in California and, and just serendipitously both ended up in Austin, but he was the first person I interviewed. Uh, so you can go back, everybody, and listen to episode one of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I will say the uh, I don't think that the, the show quality was nearly as good as we've gotten it to now, both with the audio and also probably with my own skills as an interviewer. But uh, that's how I met Steve, actually, was through Brian back when they both worked at BSG about 18 years ago. Yeah, indeed. And, and by the way, in terms of quality, you, you certainly started at the very top. Brian's as quality a person <laughs> as I can think of, both just as an individual and also as a successful business person. Absolutely. So, so that was my start. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to have had more of my fair share of uh, winners than losers over the years since. And it's kind of led me to this point uh, where I've tried to begin spending more time 
paying it forward through either my efforts with PowerShift Group or through my informal work as a mentor at Capital Factory or Unlimited USA, a couple of accelerators in town. And now with the writing that I've done with the uh, the book, Matt. So you kind of broke up there a little bit. Skype sometimes isn't my best friend when we record these things. You were talking about your book. What's the title of the book? Sure. The book title is Naturally Caffeinated, Addicted to Entrepreneurship. And that's an ebook, and it's available where? It's available at nctheBook.wordpress.com. Excellent. Well, we can talk more about that. So let's get a little bit into what you're doing now. In addition to writing this book, what makes your world tick these days? You bet. The PowerShift Group, where I spend most of my time during the day, is a little bit different kind of company for startups. We refer to ourselves as a venture builder. That's a, uh, it's a term actually that VentureBeat magazine wrote up about earlier this year to describe the types of companies like us that are investors but also owner-operators. And so what we do is we, we identify gaps that we believe exist uh, where technology could do a better job of delivering service, and we build a company around either people that we know that we feel like would be good founders in that area or simply the idea itself that we begin to work on. We seed fund it with our own resources, and then we go out and raise additional money from a variety of different funders to scale it up. And we typically take significant executive positions to uh, operate the business ourselves. Sometimes we're only doing one venture at a time. Other times we might have four or five ventures under our roof, so to speak. So if you were to come in the door at PowerShift Group in downtown Austin and kind of look at the operation for the first time, we'd look a lot like some of the accelerator programs one hears about. I mentioned Capital Factory earlier or Techstars or so many others that are popular these days. But the difference is all of the deals, all the companies that you see there in the sort of the cube farm are our companies. We, we started them. And um, we, it's more of a closed process, if you will, versus an open application process. So that's the main difference. Beyond that, all the other mechanics are the same. So, Steve, you gave us a little bit of your sort of the mechanics of your resume. But what really led you to being an entrepreneur? You went to work early on for a startup that went kerplunk. But what was it that made you kind of you keep coming back to it over and over and over? So you said you had the bug. What do you think caused you to catch that bug? You know, quite honestly, there's a couple of things that I've, I've thought about that a lot myself, Tom. And, and you know, uh, there's a couple of things. I was raised in an, in an entrepreneurial family, if you will. I didn't think of it that way when I was growing up. But now that I'm older and can reflect back on my personal history, I can see that that's the household that I grew up. My, my dad owned all of the emergency ambulance services in the panhandle of Texas which at the time, these days, it's something that, that uh, public hospital systems typically operate. But at the time, it was a pretty freewheeling private industry. And he built a multi-location business out of that in uh, northern Texas in the Panhandle. So I grew up kind of seeing that happen uh, at the feet of my father. You know, as I got into my own career, I think I found that there was no more exciting place to be in all those of the positive aspects of the world, of uh, the word you know, being educated, learning, working with a team, being committed to a mission and some exciting idea uh, than there is with a startup. 
and the just the pure energy and joy that comes out of that is hard to rid yourself of. So, you so that's men- kind of my motivation. So you mentioned that you grew up your father owned business, his own business. You know, I kind of grew up the opposite. My dad worked for a big insurance company and, and retired with a gold watch at 65. And so, you know, that leads me to the age old question. Do you think entrepreneurs are made or born? And do you think it has a lot to do with that early, you know, what you witness early on? Or do you think it's something that comes along later for most people? You know, that's a great question. I, I think if I had to... Uh, Settle on one. Uh, you know, the, my obvious answer would be that I think there's a little bit of both, but but if I had to choose one, I'd say it's they're made, and and because of that, I would say that you know any any person that really believes that that's a path for them and wants to go that direction can be an entrepreneur. They can go that direction. Now that said, there's there there is something that I'll relay to you, Tom, and actually I'd be quite interested in your other uh, your your other visitors and guests. I, there's after having mentored and, and reviewed lots and lots of business plans and deals over the years, one thing I found is that when you're speaking with, especially a first-time founder, there is a quality that you know you sometimes hear agents in Hollywood talk about. That's just kind of the it factor. After you speak with that you know young man or woman for a few minutes, there's just something about them. It's almost like what Malcolm Gladwell speaks about in Blink. You just you just you know, get the sense that this person's got it. And, um, so I don't know if that's, you know, being born an entrepreneur, but it almost approaches it. Uh, what have other spe- what have other guests said about that? I'm curious. Well, you know, it sort of varies. And I'm, you know, from my own experience of having hung out with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, there, there are people who dive into the world of entrepreneurship who really aren't suited for it. It looks sexy and it gets a lot of attention in the media and things like that. But I've seen a lot of people go down the path and really get into it and say, Hey, this isn't for me. But the guests I tend to have on the show, because we call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, it's usually people who I've sort of identified, you know, through my own, you know, non-scientific screening program, that they're going to have a little bit of that it factor. So I don't know that this is a scientific study with the people that I interview, but Mm -hmm. I, I definitely think that obviously entrepreneurship is a hot topic in our society right now, and the Mm -hmm. amount of people who are going to college, you know, and wanting to major in it. But what one person said is that, you know, one person told me, and I don't remember it was on the show or if we were having, you know, beers, but recently somebody told me that, you know, the problem is, is you can't really go study entrepreneurship as much as, you know, studying sort of the business fundamentals, but then getting out and, you know, taking the bull by the horns and growing your own thing, that has to come from the inside. And I I see it in my own business. I mean, I've been working for myself. I mean, I'm truly a solopreneur, and I don't have any plans to build something that's going to scale. But, you know, I've built a nice little life as a speaker and a trainer and a professional master of ceremonies, but I love what I do. And, and when you said, you know, you just sort of identify it, I run into people all the time when I, when I come off from giving a keynote speech and they go, wow, you don't see somebody who likes their job as much as, as you do. And I think that the meeting planners who, who select me, they get that same sense. And it's sort of something you can't put your finger on because I'm not a celebrity and, you know, I'm not famous, but it sort of works itself out. And I think the same thing is true. Even if you're building a scalable business, you're going to grow and sell or take, take public inside of you, you have to really love doing that. We talked about our mutual friend, Brian Manel. Brian loves mm-hmm. starting and growing companies. I mean, it, you know, if mm-hmm. he can start a new one, he gets all excited when he comes up with an idea. Now, some of the things he's start, he started haven't grown to big fruition. He's had to close some down. He's sold some yeah. others, but he's taken a company public. He's sold a bunch of others. He's managed some really big companies. So 
he loves doing it. And, and that's yeah. something I think you can't teach. Yeah, no, no question about it. In fact, uh, I, I think that's a terrific review of, you know, ultimately the, the motivation that's involved. In, the, in fact, in the, in the ebook that we wrote, the very first thing that we cover in the lessons learned is this question of, you know, why you do it, the it being become an entrepreneur, start a venture of your own. And the, the, the chapter starts off, you don't do it for the money, you don't do it for the fame, and continues on with a, probably a couple paragraphs that you don't do it for, ultimately arriving at that thing that we're sort of putting our fingers on right now, Tom, which is you do it because of the joy, because it makes you happy, because you really can't see yourself being as happy doing anything else. And that's really why you do it. Uh, so and I certainly know that, that I've seen that in myself and others that I, you know, I share this uh, sort of career choice with. And, and it's certainly a message is important for those that get involved in it to understand that that has to be their motivation because there are definitely difficult times and challenges that one goes through. Which leads me to the question, you know, what is it about the life of an entrepreneur that maybe you don't love as much? Is there anything that makes you kind of like wake up in the morning and think, I could still be working for a big corporation? You know, not, not really. I mean, I, you know, all those little things over the years, I've come to just sort of understand are part of the, part of the journey. And there are very few parts of that anymore of the, if one would sort of offer up the negative sides of being an entrepreneur that, that I don't take as, as if you will, those pieces of every, every choice one might make that, uh, you know, in a, in a down day, you might consider to be negatives. You know, I've, I've had the great fortune of being married to a, a, you know, a wonderful person now for 33 years, Rebecca. And, um, you know, we've had three great kids, and I think that, you know, we know a lot about each other and the good sides and the bads, but, you know, all in all, we're still greatly in love. And I think that, you know, we know those negative sides, but we know that, you know, we still cherish each other. And I think that's that's sort of how I approach, you know, what I do with the work that I do and, and my chosen field in entrepreneurship. So, Steve, the people who listen to this show are either, you know, people who want to be entrepreneurs, they're dreaming of like saying goodbye to the corporate life, or maybe they're small business owners or they're solopreneurs and they've started out recently. So my question always to people is, what advice do you have for someone who's listening who, who just needs that little piece of advice that's going to kind of motivate them? What, what can you tell them? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, and again and uh, you know, uh, obviously, that's something that we're we're we we do a lot in the book. Uh, we talk about different what we hope are very practical aspects of advice. And there's a community edition of the of uh, this question about good tips and lessons learned that people can look into that provides other voices beyond uh, beyond mine and my my partners that uh, are from other men and women, not just around. Austin, but around the country and even around the world. So hopefully people will get solace and, and interest from that. For me personally, I think, you know, there's some things that that uh, really are tip 101 for the people that are interested in a small business or that want to become an entrepreneur. You know, one absolutely is to build a team and work with a team that is as strong or stronger than you in whatever their skills and capabilities are. Because at the end of the day, you know, success really is all about the team and the team that you have, and in particular, a startup team. So building a team that's strong. Don't, don't build a team that, 
is uh, less capable than you. You can succeed with a, a less capable team, but it's it's more difficult. You want to build a team that's as strong or stronger than you. So that's that's number one. You know, I would say to some extent, number two would be you know uh, be persistent, never give up. Uh, you, you know, and we talk a little bit about that in a couple different dimensions in the book, but. You know, the the success in entrepreneurship and the business that one is in is not so much that you have that silver bullet, that holy grail of an idea. Occasionally those are found, but time and time again, I'll take a smart, capable team that has proven their persistence and ability to never give up over really, you know, some other thrilling, sexy looking idea from a newcomer. It's just simply a better way to bet and much more likely the odds are that they'll succeed. Even yeah. for people who work for themselves, you know, I think that's really good advice because even if you're a solopreneur, you have a team, right? I mean, I have some vendors who I work with. I have a mastermind group of some other speakers who I intimately share the, the good and the bad of my business. And together we, you know, sort of, you know, help each other grow those businesses. But that that mastermind group was specifically put together by my friend Jessica. She hand chose everybody who's in the group because she wanted to surround herself with people who would challenge her in areas where she had weaknesses. She didn't want to be the smartest person in the room every time we got together. She wanted to be just the opposite. And so she found a group of people who have, you know, very different strengths. And even though we all have independent businesses, we've created a team. So I think that advice goes no matter what your situation is. No question about it, Tom. In fact, I think that's. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I was uh, I was looking into you know what some of the other you know, sort of great successful business leaders have have done, even when they've gotten quite a ways in their careers to continue to grow and get better. And um, if you look at Eric Schmidt of Google or Bill Gates. Microsoft and the Gates Foundation, on and on and on. What you what you find is one of the things they recommend is to is to get a coach, to get somebody that can sort of look at you in, in some form and break down and evaluate in a critical but a caring way how you can you can do what you're doing and do it better and more effectively. And so even when you're a solopreneur, like you describe, I think building a group like that, mastermind group, tapping into something where you help each other out is is a terrific way to do that. So let's talk a little bit more about coaches and mentors, because I know you mentor at this stage of your career a lot of people through Capital Factory and through other things that you're involved with. Did you have some either coaches or mentors early on who helped you find the way? Yeah, I did. I was really fortunate to you know, start my career at uh, a couple of different large consulting firms. Uh, one of them is what is now known today as Accenture. It was a division of Accenture before then, and then another one that's uh, the PricewaterhouseCoopers. And in both cases, there was a very strong culture, more hierarchical, certainly, but still very strong about growing the talent that came in from college and graduate programs to, to really have them understand how to be as successful as they could be in the organization and with clients whom they worked with every day. And so that, you know, from the very beginning was a great frankly, mentorship model for me to understand how training could really be done well in an organization of tens of thousands. of. And as I got into the startup world a decade or so later, you know, I found that you know, the, the Austin community in particular, and I think it's one of the reasons why our community has been most recently designated as the number one city for startups in the country, but it's been something that we've all sort of secretly known ourselves for a while, is that it's a very welcoming community. It's one where people are really interested in sitting down with you and helping you. 
And if they can't provide something specifically themselves, more often than not, they'll give you a name or two of someone else that you can speak with to help you further on your mission. So if someone and just wants that to, mod, model of day-to-day activity is, uh, is a real model for me. If someone wants to find a mentor or they want to find a coach, how do they even start? I mean, I, this comes up a lot. You hear a lot of people on a lot of podcasts go, find yourself a coach or find yourself a mentor. But nobody really tells anybody, how do you really find them? And so you were talking about in our community, there seems to be a, a natural sure. culture for that. But that may not be true where someone's listening to this. How do they start? Yeah. Well, I, there's a, a couple different ways, but but the, perhaps the simplest way would be to go online and to uh, sign up for the Startup Digest in your community. And we have a Startup Digest in, in Austin. There are Startup Digests in dozens of cities around the country and around the world. And uh, it's startupdigest.com. And it's usually curated and issued by, you know, a couple of folks in the know in that community, but it provides really dozens of different opportunities to engage with or meet people in your community and whatever interest level you have and uh, go out to those places of engagement, those events or those workshops or those receptions and meet the people that are there. And uh, very quickly, I think one would find that there will be people, if they ask that question, you know, I'm looking for somebody that knows about my specific area of interest, very quickly one would get connected to those that are interested in helping them along. I have a lot more questions for you, but first, we've mm-hmm. got to thank our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Steve Gingrich. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, rush over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And as I always say, I would have never gotten this show off the ground if I hadn't found Podfly Productions because I never would have followed through with doing the actual editing that's involved. So thank you again to Podfly, not only for being my partner, but for being the sponsor of this episode. So Steve, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing right now? So the coolest thing I'm working on right now is a, a new nanotechnology venture that we're working on through PowerShift Group. We've licensed the rights to a nanoparticle that, that kills germs in a revolutionary way. Uh, pretty much everybody has used Purell, I'm sure, for, uh, for sanitizing their hands. Well, this new particle that we have... Uh, is a thousand times longer lasting than Purell. And so we're working on bringing that uh, particle in a variety of formulations to foreign markets because especially in the developing world, uh, there's a variety of needs to, to basically make a safer and cleaner environment for people. So that's a pretty cool thing. We're excited about that. <laughs> that does sound cool. So in addition to you know doing cool things themselves, I think the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask my guests, what's something you see someone else doing? Not someone in your company, but someone else out there who you think, wow, they're totally crushing it. Wow. You know, I'm pretty excited about a couple of companies that are in the Capital Factory where I mentor, just because they're of personal interest for me. Um, I really love the work that's been going on by the team at Aceable. 
And what they're doing with their mobile education platform, they've taken a kind of a tough, somewhat boring and transigent problem on required tests like taking driving tests and states and making it a lot of fun and interesting to those that have to take those required tests. So that's a pretty cool deal. I like that one. And then another one that I like a lot from a personal interest is a platform called Weva, W-E-E-V-A. And they kind of fit in a space between hand-done scrapbooks for special events or trips one might take to the do-it-yourself world of Shutterfly and the other photography sites. And they help people put together celebration, anniversary, wedding scrapbooks in a beautiful four-color manner that you can order off their website. So that's a pretty cool deal, too. Awesome. So I also think that in addition to being observers, I think the best entrepreneurs love to give back. So my final question for everybody always is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Wow. I do as much as I can. And I think that, you know, the, the, the time is the most precious resource we have, right, Tom? I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's money and there's other treasures that we have, but, but time is the one thing that we, you know, we'll never get back. And, uh, and I try and give as much of my time as I can through the mentoring programs that I do. That's really the way that I feel I can contribute the most, and, and I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's the best of all worlds. So, Steve, if people listen to this episode and they're like, I need to know more about Steve Gingrich, I want to find out more about his book, and I got to learn more about what PowerShift does, how in the world do people find you? Uh, that's the easiest of all, my friend. Besides Google, the real easy way is to type in I am Steve G. And it's just Steve, the letter G, because Lord knows we would never be able to spell Gingrich. (laughs) Indeed, my friend. Because it's not even spelled the normal way that that name is spelled, and you can't spell that either. (laughs) Well, one does not want to be normal. (laughs) So say that again. (laughs) If they Google I am what? I am Steve G? I am Steve G. I-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-G. Dot com. All right. And they'll find everything they need to know about Steve Gingrich. And I would like to thank Steve for being a guest on today's show. Steve, thanks for participating here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. It's been a blast, Tom. Thanks a lot. Excellent. And for those of you who listened, we'll be back in a couple of days with another interview with someone cool. But in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.